0: temple university is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the u.s through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty temple students are prepared to soar in their careers schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit
1: this is blue moon it's the original fan-made manchester city podcast coming up we've got news and views from city's week it's your club and this is your show
2: Well, for the first time since Pep Guardiola's first season at the club, Manchester City have won their opening three games of the season. Maybe not as big a treble as the one they secured back in June, but a treble nonetheless, although it did look a bit touch and go against Sheffield United for a few minutes at least. On today's Blue Moon podcast, we'll be looking back over the win at Bramall Lane, paying special attention to Rodri. We might focus a lot on his ability to dominate the midfield, but after yet another corker of a finish, we're going to take some time to look at his goal scoring exploits for City. With Fulham to come on Saturday, we'll be speaking to Sammy from the Fulhamish podcast to get an idea about how their season has started plus we've had the Carabao Cup and Champions League draws so we'll get some reaction to those too. I'm David Mooney, with me this week is City fan Kieran Murray. Hello there. And from statcity.co.uk, Adam Carter.
3: Hello. Um,
2: Adam, welcome back to the podcast, first time for uh, for this season, good summer?
3: Yeah, it's been a while, a great summer, uh, celebrating the treble and we've started it superbly so far so only downhill from here.
2: Yeah, um, only downhill, <laughs> indeed. Uh, Karen, are you well? Good to have you back.
0: Yeah, great. Um, although it's the 31st of August, as we record, which is the, uh, the worst night in the calendar for every teacher. Yeah. Uh,
2: is it uh, school, <laughs> school's ready to to come back out for for to back in after the summer yeah yeah as the song as Alice doesn't, one yeah. saying <laughs> the song doesn't go <laughs> yeah um it's uh, before we, we're going to get into this a bit later on properly but uh, Kieran I'm glad you're on this week's show because obviously we've had the Champions League draw um and um you know we'll, we'll get into the into the actual reaction to the draw later but uh city going back to Switzerland which gives me the perfect opportunity uh to replay this in Switzerland what You've gone all quiet. Oh, I thought there was a follow-up. How have we done
0: this again? Uh, <laughs> uh, that was the night that you your tone I can't believe you didn't play the little bit before that.
2: Okay, I've got it I've got it in full. I can give the I can give the list the context. And I just thought his passing was a
0: little bit suspect against mm-hmm. Baal as Baal. Basil. Is it Baal? Basil. <laughs> I don't quite know how to say that. In ba- Switzerland.
3: <laughs> in Switzerland, yeah. <laughs>
0: What? In Switzerland. In Switzerland what?
2: In st- in st-
0: <laughs> Instead, what, what how Instead of... How are confused? At, at Basel. Just oh, all right. <laughs> in Switzerland.
4: <Chile. laughs> Idiot.
2: <laughs> there we go. I'm not a massive Switzerland fan, but their flag's a big plus.
5: I knew you were going to say
2: that. Actually, I've, I've actually, I've got written down on my phone, Kieran will say, uh, their flag is a big plus.
0: Yeah, you need to stop having me on the show if you're able to predict my responses. Like um, You saying in Switzerland in that tone sounded like there was a question or a comment coming from you and there was just dead air after that. <laughs> I can't believe we've, we've drawn another Swiss team and that's come back to haunt me once again. Yeah, so uh, throughout the show... In Switzerland what? We'll just be, uh, we'll, we'll just be, uh, we'll just be saying that. Uh, and that was in the studio we were recording that as well. So yeah. when Casey was
2: calling me an idiot, uh, you could see it in his face, the full venom. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the same day he did that at that... Um, Super casual Pellegrini's City were atrocious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A, a bad day all round, really. A healthy one um,
0: days in the in the studio in Oldham. Yeah,
2: let's uh, let, let's bring it to more uh, more present uh, stuff though. And uh, we're pleased that this season of the Blue Moon Podcast is sponsored by Green King Sports, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised City fixture over the twenty three twenty four season, and with more than nine hundred sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter whether you're based in Manchester or Melton Mowbray, you can every single minute of the action Keep an eye out during the season for events offers content and competitions that put you closer to the action You can also check out their content on the brand new Green King Instagram page um, Let's begin this week with uh, a look back over the game against uh, Sheffield United and um, Adam, people were concerned about how hard it was for City to, uh, to get over the line in that game um, but I'm going to be honest, cards on the table I thought they played pretty well
3: yeah, I, I was fine with it. I tweeted halfway through the game saying, "Is one of our performances of recent times a bit of an exaggeration? Going to be punished by poor finishing because that's all that it was. I I didn't expect anything different than the way the game panned out. They're not just going to let us just lie down and let us just have the freedom of Bramall Lane and do what we want. So we were creating chances. We were getting. We were on the ball. Until, and it was only until we scored that it looked a bit hairy. So up until the point of us scoring, would. Obviously, we've missed a penalty, so there you go straight away. That's the type of, you if you if you you're creating chances and you're not taking them. That doesn't mean you're playing badly. That means luck's not on your side and you're finishing badly. So yes. um, I was more than happy, and I think because we're used to City just dominating, and if we've not scored within the first twenty minutes, it being panic stations. Um, I think that just that's going to be the narrative of game, around every game now because we have been so fortunate, and to be, to nine times out of ten we score in the opening half of yeah. games. So the longer that goes on, the more crisis levels it, it notches up. But if you strip the crisis out of it, it's actually quite it was quite a comfortable, leisurely stroll for us. Really, when you take the emotion out of it and you you report on it four days after the event, it's easy to say that. But I was quite calm, and I'm. Probably one of the most pessimistic of uh, City fans, as you know.
2: Yeah, one of the most anxious, at least. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but this is the thing, though, Adam, because um, I kept seeing that uh, City were not very creative um, and that people wanted more creativity out of the team. But then when you look back at that at that first half, you know, um, Haaland gets one through to Alvarez and, he, and it's a good save from the goalkeeper um yeah. harlan misses a penalty the penalty itself came from a moment where um we got hand, him behind yeah we got him behind yeah. and the, the yeah. handball was given as the ball was about to hit, hit um hit harlan's feet so yeah. it, it's like city were still creating
3: things weren't they yeah exactly the fact that you're able to reel off examples like that um just shows that on any other day we're going into halftime break three nil up and then it's a city romp at Bramall lane kind of thing so we just need to take it in perspective of because I was seeing some things on Twitter where it was kind of oh my god rubbish day at the office and I'm like it's not even been half a day at the office yet and it's these alarm bells that keep ringing but I was quite happy with how fluid we were we were on the ball Kovacic was linking up with Rodri and allowing Rodri to be more fluid so I actually thought we showed a bit more creativity than say against the Newcastle game which as the home home team in that you'd expect it to be the other way around but I'm I was not shocked at all with how the way Sheffield United set up and how we combated that. Really, I, re- I, th- I genuinely thought it was quite a comfortable, creative uh, performance. I was a bit perplexed, but as soon as it's as long as it's nil nil then the people negative doubts are allowed to be there. Exactly that.
2: Yeah. Kieran, the, the other side of this is um, people can, you, you can cry, you know, that there needs to be more creativity on the pitch. Well, there's, there's, the, the slight issue is um, there aren't any more players available at the moment. <laughs> so, so we can't exactly get much more on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. um, but at the same time, you know, Sheffield United had no interest in coming out of their own area for long spells of that game. How do you create against a team that's got 11 men behind the ball so much?
0: Well, yeah, it's very difficult. And I suppose that's why you should be scoring your penalties, really. <laughs> um, uh, I think Match of the Day said that City had 35 crosses in the game, um, which was a bit of a concern, really, because I remember in the in the Gundogan days when you could tell backs were against the wall, uh, there was just a, a sort of aimless... Lobbed scoop into the box, and hoping that somebody would deal with it. Um, in fairness, though, back in those days, they didn't have a six foot six Norwegian well, that, unit in the middle. That is absolutely true. Yeah, and I, I suppose creativity wise, as your question is, David, the absence of of De Bruyne um, when is in how he links up with uh, Haaland, um, it could be. I mean, you you write off Haaland at your peril, really, but. Some of his kind of body language, something seems slightly lacking with him this season so far. I mean, I know we're only three games in, really. Um, yeah, he's only scored well, three. Well, yeah. Uh, but when you think about last year and this kind of like laid back yoga meditation celebration and the, the the celebration on Sunday when he did score eventually was puffing his cheeks out and a wry smile because, you know, it, was, it was, seemed to be like stress was lifted and relief that he finally... it it feels like his confidence has slightly left him a little bit. Um, And when teams are setting up and manhandling him um, and giving him suplexes and all sorts in the box, it's going to be very difficult for creativity to come. And when they're playing five across the back and the three men in midfield covering as well, there was just nowhere to nowhere to roam at all. So I think Grealish did really well with what he could do. He yeah. was involved in winning the penalty. He slipped it to Alvarez, who won it. Um he obviously got the assist. Um a couple of the shots that, that nearly went in Grealish was involved in. Um he he's a bit frustrating because it's hard to always see exactly explicitly what he's doing, and people seem to remember him at Villa being a lot more dynamic a lot more end product um, but I think the job he's doing at City and the way he took that assist on Sunday um, was excellent and all we could ask
2: for him really under the circumstances yeah, let's let's talk a bit more about Grealish, Adam, because um, the the other line I was I've been I've been seeing a lot, especially after the the Sheffield United game, was that he needs to take on his man more. Um, my my kind of thing with this is, first off, you know, when you've got two men to beat all the time, it's quite difficult to do that. And you look at, at the times that he did take his man on, um, and you know he, he did get isolated one v one. It was he, he got round the outside on both occasions. Um, and the other side of it is, you know, variety kind of aids unexpectedness.
3: So, yeah, like Kieran alluded to there, um, to the untrained eye, it's not quite clear what Grealish is doing in terms of his approach play. But I, I absolutely am convinced that it's by design, and that is this is why Pep chooses him time and time again, because he's never going to lose, lose the ball. And... People get frustrated when he checks back, but he is in this team to not lose the ball. Uh, I want to just take you back, I know this is random, to the beginning of last season, West Ham away, where he almost dribbles the ball back to our corner flag that creates a gaping hole in midfield that we can then exploit. I think it was Rodri to De Bruyne and then through to Haaland. So these little... It's not... He's not just deciding all of a sudden to just be a negative player and not be creative. He's picking and choosing his moments to perfection because that unexpectedness was he checked back, checked back, checked back and then on the fourth or fifth occasion he took it to the byline and whipped it across when when the time was right to Harlan's head at the back post and were 1-0 up. So it is absolutely by design and by instruction that Grealish plays the way he does. There's some I'll caveat that with a little bit of Uh, you know, undoing what I've just said by saying there's a frustration when he cuts inside and shoots against defender shins. I'll let people level that at him because he, he almost telegraphs his shoot him. But the other part of his game, he does so well, and that is the reason why Pep starts in in all the big matches. That's why he's finally got through to him how he wants him to play, and that's why he's the first name on the team sheets most most weeks. So it, yeah. this this Grealish needs to do take his man on more. He'll take his man on when it's when the time's right. These plays are choreographed to the nth degree, and when the time's right, that's when he'll execute. And you know, Pep knows what he's doing with this, and I'm absolutely convinced it's by design rather than a negative uh, approach to it yeah
2: and the I mean the other side of this Kieran, as well is um you know against a, a team that that only wants to counter attack Sheffield United had no intention of, of of trying to dominate the game, and why would they in in, in that situation um you don 't want to start losing the ball in when city are not set up to to stop the counter attack whereas instead actually if City are passing the ball around and keeping it controlled, City are more likely to score. And you look in the, the 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 opportunities that Grealish did create. There was a couple where that he created by checking back inside. There was one one Rodri shot in the second mm-hmm. half that went just wide that was created by Grealish not taking his man up. Yeah, yeah, And I remember the
0: Nathan Ake goal against um, Arsenal in the in the cup. That was that was the same idea. Uh, stand it up, stand it up, stand it up. Hold on to it, hold on to it. Allow the movement to take place. Away from you know the ball as such, um, allow his teammates to find space, and then a, a shot will open up. So I think he's got the measure of what he has to do now. Sometimes he holds it up and then loses his man for half a second, for half a yard. Can put one up in the air, and Haaland can get on the end of it, or he can hold on to it in the box wait for the movement to take place, give it, and then hope for a goal that way. Um, Rodri's goal, sorry, Rodri's shot on Sunday was kind of reminiscent of the Ake one that, that went in against Arsenal. It is that kind of like wait for Grealish to pull the trigger on the pass, if you like, and then the goal is, the goal is open a lot more. Um, so it, it, as, as Adam said, it is by design, and there are frustrations with Grealish, of course, because you do want... You do want more excitement, and you do want him to be in the sort of traditional winger mould of uh, beating men on the flanks. But um, the, the way we want to play now, with all this control and all this kind of steadfast, stoic, pass the uh, opposition to death, hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Um Grealish seems to be the man for it. And, and you're not always you're not always over the moon with how it looks, and it's not always edge of your seat stuff, but. Um, it's effective and it really paid off well on Sunday.
2: Yeah. Now, uh, we talked about Rodri uh, missing there from a Grealish chance. Uh, for the next part of the show, we're going to heap some praise on him for uh, other reasons. He may be one of the best holding midfielders in world football right now, but that's not the part of his game that we're going to talk about. He's becoming something of a man for the big occasions with goals at crucial times, Scoring another late winner at Bramall Lane on Sunday. Kieran here has been back and watched all 19 of Rodri's City goals. <laughs>
0: Rodri's 19 goals for City has been in a defeat and that was his first goal for the club It was a nice effort from outside the box at Norwich in 2019 but because of the way City played in that game it didn't get a mention on the podcast afterwards As Jonathan Smith explained on that show it was all about how the midfielder had no help
2: Obviously Norwich was his least effective performance but I think Norwich deserve a huge amount of credit because they were, they were very brave on the ball they shifted it quickly and they were they were picking up balls in uncomfortable situations and they weren't afraid to have it And City were pressing high up the pitch with uh, Bernardo Aguero and they were getting round them and it was leaving Rodri a little bit isolated. Um, He was being pulled out of position. It's widely
0: acknowledged now, though, that Rodri took some time to understand what he needed to do at City. All the while, though, he showed he had an eye for goal. He scored another belter a couple of months later in a 4-1 win at Burnley. Ali Fogg and Leon Mike were on the podcast after that strike.
2: If it hadn't hit the back of the net, it would still be going now. And, uh, you, know, when you, you know when you see a ball like, fly like that? It's and moving. It's still, it's still accelerating when it hits the back mm. of the net. If Raheem Sterling hadn't ducked, he would have gone into the back of the net. <laughs> the of the net as well. And he was so yeah. close,
5: you don't know how he got out of the way.
0: Later that season, Rodri began to prove what a threat he is in the air. Six of his nineteen goals have been headers. The first gave City the lead against West Ham in February 2020, and the second was the winner in the League Cup final a few weeks later. KC was happy with that latest trophy win.
2: Not everyone can win free trophies. To me, like and I do love the League Cup,
3: but to me it goes back to when we were first taken over, it was one that we we really targeted. I think we 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 value it because of then when when we
2: didn't win anything for ages. And I think it's also rebelling against people that go, oh, it's not worth anything, it's, not, you know, it's a pointless trophy or whatever, and it's, it's not, is it, really?
0: His next goal was a funny one. As City players missed penalties left, right and centre, Rodri told the dressing room that he was having the next one. That came against Spurs in February 2021, and he just about squeezed it in. Don Farrell spoke about it on this week's Patreon show.
5: We know with the City and Tottenham as well, Hugo Urisis saved better penalties than that against City like <laughs> from the Champions League Gundy <laughs> yeah. in one of those games down there I mean it's like it's, like, it's, it's not even the best penalty he's faced against City in yeah. like, a, a pretty big sample size yeah, God, yeah he totally clothed it
0: unsurprisingly that's the only penalty on this list Rodri then scored another header in a league win over Aston Villa to earn City the points in April 2021 before he went on a run of belting it in from outside the box at the start of the next season He passed the fourth of City's five against Arsenal into the net from range before he bust out his first knee slide celebration for City against Everton after a pile driver in a 3-0 win. Adam Carter was impressed.
3: Every time it sets up on the edge of the box, it's screams of shoot around the stadium. But he does pick and choose his chances, and obviously he's took it with amazing aplomb on uh, on the weekend, I think. And then he tried it again against PSG on his left foot, and it didn't quite have the same effect. So uh, he'll be people will be screaming for him to shoot now, even when he gets it in his own half. You knew as soon as it left his foot on,
5: against Everton, it was going in.
0: Rotary was sliding on his knees after his next goal too, a last-minute winner against Arsenal. Dom Farrell was on the podcast after that one
5: obviously you've got the absolute elation of a last minute winner and um, the most mild-mannered man in football who lived in his university halls great example (laughs) upstanding citizen Rodri went full on do you know what I play for Diego Simeone for a year I'm going to be a massive bastard here absolutely (laughs) tremendous
0: Rodri scored more crackers in the remainder of that season but he put the knee slide celebration on ice he scored the third when City beat Watford 5-1 he gave City the lead with a header at Allen Road and his header made it three 0 against Newcastle, putting the game beyond doubt in a tight title race. But his next properly clutched goal came on the final day when he equalised against Aston Villa at the Etihad. It was his fourth goal in six Premier League games. The Athletics Sam Lee explains how that goal capped off a fine season.
2: Obviously Gundogan would get the man of the match because of how you know scoring two goals and being the match winner. Fine, uh, but I thought the best performer over the ninety I minutes mean, was Rodri. So I, I went with Rodri for player of the season in much the same way. Against Villa at the weekend. Just consistency throughout. In terms of possession one for their team, he's won possession back more than anybody else in the Premier League this season. City obviously lost possession the fewest times. So they've had more of the ball, they lose it the fewest times. And yet they've still got somebody who's winning it back more than all these teams who lose the ball, win it back, lose the ball, win it back.
0: After that goal against Villa on the final day, Rodri's knee slide celebration came back with a bang. He did it after opening the scoring against Leeds at Ellen Road over Christmas, but he missed it out after his header against Aston Villa a bit later on in the campaign. Then, on his way to helping City lift the Champions League, he couldn't help himself. First was after his brilliant left-footed curler from outside the box against Bayern Munich,
2: David Minnie and Chris Higginbottom laughed about it on that week's show. I had my own uh, no-Vinny-no moment uh, in that first half when uh, <laughs> Rodri took the ball. There was a moment where I almost had enough time to tweet the words, the last thing a game like this needs at a stage like this is Rodri taking an effort on his weaker foot from 30 yards. He must, must be a fast type of, <laughs>
0: <laughs> And, of course, that celebration had to come out for his winner in the Champions League final too city fan dave masterman was there to see it
4: there was just so much hope at that point of the game like we, we were playing well but i think when it rolled back it all happened so quickly but as he hit it you kind of knew like it was a clean strike but I, I don't know what i i'll be honest i don't know what went through my head at that exact point i just know it meant so much and we wanted it so badly and this wasn't a game that we were dominating and that we were just waiting to score in as he struck that ball you knew it was a clean strike And then before you knew it it was in the back of the net And everyone just went mad And that
0: brings us to this season Where Rodri is currently City's second top scorer After three games He stabbed home the third against Burnley In the opening game Before belting in the winner last Sunday Against Sheffield United That was the 12th time one of his goals Has been decisive in a game during his time at City too Either equalising, giving City the lead Or being the eventual decider And you know it's a big Rodri goal At an important time When he finishes it off With a knee slide by the corner flag
3: Hi, this is Kevin Horlock, and you are listening to the Blue Moon Podcast.
1: Ad-free episodes are available on Patreon. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast.
2: That was a look back at uh, all of Rodri's goals for City. Um, Kieran, I said you've been watching them all there. So where does uh, Sunday's rank in the list of the best quality Rodri goals? And I'm not talking quality, not importance, because importance is obviously the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or or
0: the, the goal against Villa in the last day of the season. The previous oh, that year. one, yeah. Uh, so what a player. Um It was absolutely up there, uh, the goal at Lane on Sunday. Um, Just an absolute thumper into the top corner. Uh, Walker sort of atoned for his error, found Foden. um, Foden, I think, sort of miscontrolled it, and and it ended up with Rodri's kind of, like, feet to to smash it in. Um, But so many of his goals have either been incredible strikes Really, really important uh, goals for important moments or a combination of both. Yeah. Um, And he's absolutely class. One of my favourites, I actually was at the Lou and was coming back um, at the ground and just about kind of saw the goal fly in. Was was it against Watford where De Bruyne was on the ground? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And... It was a sort of volley-esque goal. See, because I didn't see it first time, I can't really remember the <laughs> introduction. But um, I, I just remember like getting back, everybody going mad, watching the replay and just going, that is incredible. Especially when there was a player of KDB's calibre kind of uh, lying down beside Slumped, him on the turf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just, just prone on the deck. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adam, can I raise you the goal we scored against Everton?
3: Well, so literally... Kieran just mentioning about watching this goal back on the screen. I love that Rodri watches all his goals back on the big <laughs> screen at, at the Etihad as well. And that was one he stood and admired, the one against Everton. I just remember Fabian Delft trying to close him down halfway, well, it seemed miles away from, in, from the edge of the box. And he got nowhere near him and he's absolutely leathered it past Pickford. And then, oh, That was one of the best goals I've seen at the Etihad, not just one of Rodri's best goals, because he could have a top 10 competition on his own. But... Oh what what! I just remember Delf trying to close him down and being nowhere near it, and it just breaking the back of the net and Pickford being nowhere near it as well. Perfect, one of the best goals we've seen at the Etihad.
2: A couple of other standout ones to mention, Kieran as well. Um, Like because he he has this, he has three very distinct ways of finishing the ball from outside the box, doesn't he? He kind Mm. of passes it, he kind of smashes it, and he can volley it as well. Yeah,
0: just.
2: A man for all occasions, isn't he? <laughs> uh, it
0: it fries my brain really to think about how much he was disliked and how slow his city start was. Really, um, I suppose we were we were treated to the likes of Fernandinho and Yaya in in those sorts of positions, and um, we were probably reluctant to move on from those kind of city legends, uh, and then Rodri come in was really slow. It was a it was a pretty horrific season, um in in the context of other amazing city seasons that there have been. Um although he scored the winner in the uh, League Cup final, though, he yeah. did <laughs> score the winner in the League Cup final. That's like when he was when he wasn't great and he was very, very slow and he and the, he was um the fans were on his back a lot. Then he still, still scored the winner in a cup final. Like absolutely amazing. A controversial
2: um, corner that one. Uh, and yeah, do you know Do just, you know the? Do you know the Aston Villa player that uh, actually kicked it against Gundogan when it should have been a goal kick? Grelish.
3: Grealish,
2: it was Grealish, Yeah, it was Grelish no that that, um, that kept it in and uh, and saved the corner. Except the referee Solid gave the corner either. and Aubrey scored. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no,
0: I, it's it's hard to tell your favorite kind of. Um, types of Rodri Rockets. Like uh, the one against Bayern Munich last season was, uh, was Yaya-esque. Yeah. And, and Rodri didn't have a brilliant um, starting life to the Champions League either. I, I always felt that he, he left his um, his worst performances to the Champions League in the first couple of seasons. He would give away loose passes and uh, he just didn't always seem at the races and uh, full of focus. The way he is now, I mean, he's just everywhere now, and he can pop up, you know, as last line of defence, and he can pop up um, with stunning, massive clutch goals, uh, and of course, he bosses the midfield as well. He's just, he literally is somebody who can do everything. We 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 would be lost without him. Touch would uh, no injuries befall him this year, because
2: um, we would be well and truly goose then. Yeah, and uh, and Adam, um, in in your mind's eye. Uh, Rodri's <laughs> just scored. What does he do yeah. next?
3: He's running to the corner and sliding on his knees for me, and then <laughs> yeah. watching the goal, and then watching the goal back on the big screen. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's funny though because the, the knee slide is a very recent thing. Like he's, 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 yeah. he he's he didn't do it in his first couple of seasons. It started against Everton. Uh, and then he yeah. he went full knee slide against Arsenal on the on, and, yeah that's uh, the on one that's yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then didn't do it for a while. And then uh, of his last six,
3: four of them have had knee
2: slides. I went back and checked. Yeah, see,
3: that, no, I'm, I'm using recency bias there with, in my mind's eye, obviously. But I just want to add one thing about the goal threat that now he seems to be able to be chipping in with, in that he... We said about his Champions League performances being a bit sluggish in the early days. He was the player who had played the most games for City in the Champions League without scoring until he scored that goal against Bayern Munich. So hopefully that's off his back now. And also we've lost around 80 goals from Mara's Gundogan and De Bruyne's injury. So we're now going to be looking round for players who can come up clutch at the right moment and score that goal. And he fits the bill for me in terms of that Yaya Toure status goal of goal scorer I think he might just be the answer that we need whilst those whilst we're finding out how to replace that amount of goals I'm not going to say he's going to arrive at the box and score like Gundawan did but just at the right man at the right time is probably what we need right now
2: yeah now here's a question given how many of his goals are clutch goals um, and since you both <laughs> mentioned this player in particular um, I'll start with you Adam more influential more important than Yaya Toure
3: oh my god that's tough Oh, because he's got a Champions League winning goal again on his yeah. portfolio now. Mm. Um, I think there's a more romantic idea of Yaya just because of the status he elevated us from and to. But then <laughs> there's not much higher than elevating someone to Champions League winners, is there so? Oh, man, that is tough. The romantic in me saying Yaya, but yeah. you, I couldn't. I wouldn't argue with you if you told me it was Rodri.
2: Yeah, Kieran, are you gonna? Which side of the fence do you fall down, or do you fall down exactly on the fence like Adam? (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, Uh, Yeah, sorry. (laughs) It's a weird one, isn't it? I I think Adam nailed it. Really, for for Yaya, it will be the romantic kind of idea, and what's the opposite of recency bias? Because you kind of forget Yaya's kind drop off really in the in the latter seasons. Um, because when he was in full flight on on form, there was nobody better than him in the midfield in the world, really, in my eyes. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'll always say yeah, yeah. But um, Rodri's a current player and has achieved great things already, and seems to be kind of somebody we're going to look to to achieve great things in the future. Just absolutely unreal. Um, but Yaya was yeah, yeah was the start of. Special things with the uh, the Wembley goals and the Premier League goals, and um, even this, even getting a signature over the line, him and David Silva. It was just, it was a special time, really, wasn't it? Yeah, and like that's the recent past, and I think Rodri's taken us a, a new place for the future.
2: Yeah, um, let's touch him back on the Sheffield United game. Um, I just want to talk about the equaliser, Adam, uh, very briefly because um, I don't particularly want to hammer Kyle Walker. I don't think he needs it. I think he, I think he knows full well that he probably shouldn't be back <laughs> healing it inside his own penalty area with with two or three minutes to go. Um, yeah, but uh, like in terms of, of of how City were dealing with with the game at that time, um, was there any concerns that they, that they'd lost control of it a little bit?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, he definitely doesn't need. Uh, telling about it because the sponsorship hoardings found out what he felt about that <laughs> as he kicks the uh, yeah, 10 lumps out of that. So that's, who, who he, pays he definitely that? new. Does he, does he pay for that
2: do you think? <laughs> or, or is it just like Sheffield United have to write it into their budget that an away player might just batter the living shit
3: out of one of the advertising boards. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I think it's um, par for the course that I think is ex- expected wastage. Um, honestly, with Walker, I think um, now this he's got a lot of friends and family who are Sheffield United fans. I think that's going to have affected the way he plays in that game. Now he's a hundred percent professional, uh, but you can't help he's also hundred percent human in that you're going to make different choices because of the amount of spotlight or pressure that's on you in any given circumstance. And he would be forgiven for just losing his concentration for a split second because of what the game means to him. He'll want it. He'll have wanted to do well. If, might have been trying a few tricks where, where he shouldn't be but we, we did look in control and 1-0 i thought it was just going to peter out as a 1-0 and be happy with it we take our three points on the road and go um and that was their only opportunity of note at that point and they scored from it which is almost typical city nowadays because we do limit the opposition to so few chances that if they're going to score, they're going to have to take one of those for few chances. Therefore, it always seems to be the first chance they have because they're so few and far between. So I wasn't. It wasn't. It was nowhere near backs against the wall. But um, yeah, it was just messy, and it came from our own making. And up until that point, I thought we were fine.
2: Yeah. Um the other thing, Kieran, is that uh, ultimately he just he needs to get back on the pitch, doesn't he? Because there's basic there's no offside against Ollie McBurney because Walker stayed down off the pitch. Um he, he brought because it because it has to be he has to have left the pitch with uh, the referee's permission. Otherwise he brings the offside line to the second defender, which is then the goalkeeper. So um he basically needs to give the VAR a decision to make there, doesn't he?
0: Yeah.
2: See, I think you can forgive
0: the Barkheel.
2: Um, because, you know,
0: all footballers are kind of entitled to make mistakes. City are good enough at passing around the back, uh, and it was just a momentary head loss. But I'm finding it very difficult to forgive the line down in the pitch for about ten seconds when the the play moved on because the back heel didn't actually lead to anything. The ball was kind of recycled again. Um and as Adam touched upon, I mean his his reaction said it all, and I'm sure when he got back to the dressing room there were Twenty five messages and thirty seven missed calls from a Spanish number waiting on him. To, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I, I do think that's kind of unforgivable. Why did he not just get up and, and, and go again? The the ball went in the bottom corner. He could have easily been on the line. I mean, he's got a good history of, of goal line clearances. Um, I think I think it was a bit of a bit of laziness. It might have been a bit of complacency because. Um, the boss isn't there. I I don't know. Um, maybe maybe playing against Sheffield United did have some sort of effect on him, but always um, oh, just get up and, and and go again. There's there's no need for that, and especially when it contributed to the um, to the goal actually being given th- through the through the directives and laws of the game, and that McBurney was offside, but Walker was playing him on because he was lying down. Yeah. Just really, <laughs> really, really not in character of upsetting um, and I suppose the nice thing was that he, he, he certainly atoned for his mistakes yeah definitely
2: well let's let's finish with a word on the uh, forwards as well because Adam you touched on it before about whether it was an off day or uh, whether Haaland was well marked um in terms of him being well marked um, here's a here's a question and I don't know if I'm being if I've got my conspiracy theory hat on at this stage mm-hmm. um, but does he get unfairly manhandled and not get the decisions because he is actually stronger than a lot of forwards and there's almost this bias from officials where they look at him and go well you just need to be stronger you are stronger so just be stronger
3: yeah hundred percent um again city hat on uh conspiracy hat on i'm i'm, I'm in your camp on that one um, We've got all the hats th- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, th- I just think but with harlan some this was the first battle that i thought he looked unhappy with and he was get, like, if you think of Everton last year, uh, he was relishing that challenge and rose to it. I mean, he rose to it again this weekend because he's good. But this time it looked as if it ruffled his feathers. It's the first time I've seen him like that.
1: Mm. But he
3: absolutely there were some decisions that he, he should have got, but he doesn't because he's 10,000 feet tall. But there was also a few where he was giving as good as he got. And I thought, well, yeah, you know, you know, 50-50. If if you're going to give it for him, you'd have to give it against him for some of the stuff he was doing back. But he usually handles it a, a bit better and loves the rough and tumble and it looked like it just got the better of him on on uh, on the weekend, and that was a bit strange to see because I remember Everton last year when he absolutely relished it and tried to take one of their legs off at the corner flag last year. And this time he didn't seem to have that much fight. He was almost resigned to the fact that there's going to be three of them at any one time just grappling, and it looked more like a Royal Rumble than a, a Premier League game. Yeah,
2: I, 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 Kieran, I don't know how you feel about this, but in my mind's eye, um, he gets you know dragged all over the place and doesn't get the decision. But if he does it back, he gets penalised. Yeah, I do. You know what? I've always been surprised that that Brighton
0: goal at our place last year stood. Do you know because it was a, an absolutely fair shoulder challenge where he won just by sheer and utter power and strength, um, and you you know managed managed to score from it. But I I always thought that the referees and the officials would have found something to pull him back on there because it's almost like looking at him going you're inhuman, that's not fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it was a weird one. I, I think talking about his body language is an interesting one from Sunday because he was just putting his hands up in the air, kind of like, where's my penalty? But not really, really pushing for it. Um, and he, he did look a bit resigned, but I was thinking that's because he'd missed the penalty and that had got in his head a little bit. So even if he was to push and push for another one, I, I wondered whether his confidence had taken a, a, a bit of it... Uh, at digging because he'd missed one, so what would be the point going for another one? Because could he put his could he put himself through that again? And then that reminded me of Palace last year where he scored a penalty and he said afterwards that he was just imagining his his celebration before he even stepped up <laughs> to hit it Um, we need to get him back in that kind of mindset and and way of thinking. Um, and it's a really it's a really really weird one, and I hope the listeners and you too even like kind of know where I'm coming from because as I said earlier you write, write him off at your peril but there is something just ever so slightly lacking with him and I think it, it is a body language thing and a slight confidence thing but he's he's still scoring and he's still going to be I mean he's still uh, odds on for golden boot I'm sure but um, I just would like that sort of smile and that fire to return I mm. suppose yeah. just, just a slight concern
2: Hat trick against Fulham would be a good tonic. So, that would be uh, lovely, yes. Yeah, let's see if we can let's see if we can't sort that out. Um, let's talk about the Fulham game, and we'll start by getting a view from the opposition camp. I've been speaking to Sammy James from the podcast Fulhamish to get a view on their start to the season and how he feels it's going so far.
4: Yeah, it's it's a really tough one to uh, to analyse, and I imagine probably after the City game, it's a two week break, I imagine some of the content on Fulhamish will be along the lines of grade the start of the season. And, and that's quite a tough one because ultimately look, I'm not expecting anything from, from Saturday's game. I think it would be fairly realistic to assume it's going to be four points from four, which is a great start. Like I, I'd have taken that going into the first game of the season because I looked at this opening four and thought there is every chance we might not have won a game um, going into the international break. And that was what winning at Everton on the first game of the season did. It took that pressure off. But then you can't give an A to a set of four that includes losing 3-0 to one of your biggest rivals at home uh, in a humbling defeat. Um, That really was a dark day um, to to lose to Brentford. And I know that the Fulham-Brentford rivalry is probably not a rivalry that stands out as um, particularly particularly noticeable in world football. Hey mate, it all counts. To us it matters and it, and it's just their, their little brother and when they get one over big brother it uh, it hurts. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, ultimately it has been a good start to the season. It's just, if I could have just maybe reversed some of the games that we won, drew or lost and, and changed the win to be over Brentford, the draw to be over Everton and maybe the loss to Arsenal, that almost somehow would have made it better but it actually wouldn't have meant that uh, we get any more points. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's been a decent start and then Tuesday was 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 just really fun it was it was uh, we fully expected to go out the carabao cup at the first stage and to beat them on penalties five brilliant penalties was just was just fun i think um, yeah i can't not too much more to be can be said
2: yeah you've uh, there's, uh, there's plenty of carabao fans listening to this so uh there's there's plenty of us who will uh, who will enjoy that as well um so i mean how are you playing at the moment this season what's uh, what's the style like for fulham this season
4: well, it's trying, to fi- it's trying to adapt to life after Mitro. He was such an integral part of this team. And um, I don't think we've found all of the answers yet. Um, but I mean, I imagine what we're going to do against Man City is similar to what we did against Arsenal. It will be sit back and counter hard on the transition, which is is what we did. We scored our first goal, the one in the first minute against Arsenal by winning the ball back and catching out Arsenal. It was a bit bit of a weird goal, to be honest, because Ramsdale was off his line. But even so, we actually got quite a lot of joy against Arsenal, missed a couple of chances ourselves when we won the ball back in midfield and then were able to go really, really quickly. Um, There is an element of losing Mitrovic is giving us a little bit more Dynamism in the press, which which is nice. I mean, I wouldn't exchange that for all the things that we've lost without Mitrovic. Um, and, and look, we, we still like to get the ball down and pass it around, and and have some and have some spells of possession of our own. Um, we've got good ball carriers amongst uh, in the side, and um, I, I, th- I think we are playing it nicely. We have good intricate patterns of play, and and there were several times, particularly on Tuesday, where we really ripped Spurs open just with some lovely attacking moves particularly down the right hand side harry wilson's often involved in in some of our best play um you know we we do know how to 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 get around a team it just still a little bit of a lack of cutting edge and i guess that's natural when you lose a player like Mitrovic. um so yeah all in all i think we're just trying to work out exactly what this fulham team's going to do without mitro because it really was a massive loss
2: yeah, I mean, it's it, it came pretty late in the in the transfer window. Was it expected, or was it was it kind of one of
4: those that was a bit out of the blue? Well, it's been the kind of saga since about. July it feels like we honestly didn't see Mitro going I think there were several players this summer that we thought might get pinched Polinia being the obvious one um, but we thought Anthony Robinson might go we thought Bernaleno might go but Mitrovic especially after the ban and he, he spoke did a club, club interview um, in May saying he's really excited for next season really thinks we can progress all of this yada 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 and honestly I guess that's the whole thing with Saudi is that I looked at the football landscape in May and thought, I don't see where Mitro goes. And I still think that was the right thing to say because I didn't see who else in England or Europe would really tempt him away. I didn't think anyone would be able to offer that much more money than he's on at Fulham. But the Saudi interest has just changed it for everyone. And suddenly Mitrovic was offered, in real terms, once you take tax out of it, eight times salary improvement. And... Which just can't compete with that. Yeah, pretty hard to
2: turn down, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
4: So it really has been the saga of the summer. There was one moment where he played at Everton and I thought, oh, he might stay now. And actually it was just al halal biding their time knowing that, and a bit of brinkmanship. And Fulham knew they had to sell. You couldn't turn down that kind of money for a player who's unhappy and made it super clear he wants to leave. Um It really was upsetting because Mitrovic is kind of everything to Fulham fans and to lose him in such kind of like... Spiteful, nasty way was 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 hard to take. We'll forgive him in time, and we'll remember the good times. But right now, it's still a little bit sore.
2: Yeah. Um. Obviously, there was uh, there was some business done in the summer as well on the incomings front. Um. Mm. What what have you made of that business? There's a couple of a couple of out names in there, like Adama Traore from uh, from Wolves and Raúl Jiménez from Wolves as well. They uh, kind of bolstering the attack at the moment, or is it still a little bit early to say?
4: Yeah, I, I think Raúl. It's early days. There's there's signs of life of Raul, but like still a a shadow of the player that we saw tear it up for Wolves in those early years that he was there. Um, But it feels like he might just need a goal or two um, to, to get him back in the swing. I'm hoping that we sign another striker, to be honest, as much as I'm like warming to Raul, we have to spend the Mitrovic money on some sort of striker somewhere. Obviously at the moment we're recording, it's the day before the transfer window ends. I think Fulham will sign another four players between now and the end of the window. We're going to be busy. Um, Adama, I mean, he changed the game when he came on at Arsenal. He probably got us the point. He could have got us all three. It would have been magic. Um, He he likes City as well,
2: Adama Traore.
4: Yeah, well, I always remember that. And when we signed him, one of my first thoughts of Adama Traore is he doesn't have that much end product. But I remember the one time he scored for... Wolves at City yeah. it was a 2-0 and it was on the counter and he got the second goal it was a real um, and that was kind of like the peak of Wolves it felt like when they when they got that result um so yeah i I, i'm excited to see him i imagine he'll get some minutes i mean i just i just love him he's exciting he's got pace he he brings something different off the bench or wherever he starts um so yeah he's been really good and uh another interesting signing has been calvin bassey who i imagine will play on saturday um he played a lot of times at left back for rangers but he's been mostly been playing left center back for us and um quick strong good runner um and 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 passes the ball out of uh, defense well and carries out of defense well. So I, I think he's been an interesting signing. Uh, we just signed Timothy Castagna, but I think he's going to be a backup for now. Um, yeah. but a, a good Premier League pedigree player can't complain.
2: Yeah. Um. Obviously, you finished uh, tenth last season. Um. What are you hoping for for this season? Because, uh, like you say, you know, you've you've lost a key player in Mitrovic, but obviously, it's that it, it, it's that always that that desire to always improve. I guess.
4: Yeah, I think that we've all had to have a reality check that, that 10th is going to be difficult this year and, and trying to improve on last season might not be possible. Um, last year was a weird Premier League season. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no one, no, Fulham fan in their right mind would have gone into the beginning of the season predicting that we'd finish above Chelsea. Um, and as fun as it was, I don't think it's going to last. <laughs> um, so I, I honestly, if we were 12th, 13th, safe of danger, had a few nice wins. I'd be delighted with that. Honestly, like we have to be realistic. We haven't spent that much money. It hasn't been a good window for us. Um So I think 12 to 13, there's been a lot of uncertainty as well. I think 12 to 13th would just be really nice. Avoid the, avoid the scrap at the bottom. And I think we can, I look at us against a lot of teams in this division, Luton, Sheffield United, um Everton, Wolves to an extent and even some other ones down there. I I think we can beat a lot of these teams and be clear of that quite comfortably. But I think mixing it up with the Villas and Brightons of the world, like we did for a long um, stint of last season, might just be a stretch. Their sides with bigger resources who have been here longer than us, have got better transfer policies at the moment. And it was fun. It's been fun. But I, I think that kind of like Crystal Palace level, Will yeah. be uh, will be nice for us this year.
2: Yeah. Now, um, obviously, last season as well, um, you gave City two really tough games in the end. Um, what do you take from those those two performances? What's uh, going into this weekend? What uh, kind of what lessons have been learned from Marco Silva that that you can kind of apply to this weekend?
4: I think it's nice now not to go into City games thinking this is going to be five nil now now it could end up that way because i think city on their day could be any team in world football five nil so um i'm not saying that fulham have have cracked the enigma but it was fascinating maybe just from a fan expectation point in both games last season to be like okay wow like we might not like beat manchester city but we really can go toe to toe and i think we deserved a draw in that game at the etihad last season like obviously it was a it was a soft penalty, um, to be honest. Ah, I did no comment. I, <laughs> do you know what? It was one of those that at the time when it happened, I thought Stonewall, it was only when you see the replay and things like that. I mean, and and that's why I actually kind of forgave the ref, for giving it because it was a little bit like I saw it and I was just watching on the telly and I thought that's a penalty. Mm. It's only when you see a slow down replay and it was it was a little bit of kind yeah. of like,
2: Kevin Kevin De Bruyne went into the shop and he said one penalty please didn't he yeah yeah
4: exactly so I, I kind of was like oh, I see it was still a little bit foolish from Anthony Robinson to, to stick his leg in like that um but still we took a lot of confidence from that game um and, and and now I go into it thinking I think we'll give City a game I don't necessarily think we'll win I don't necessarily think we'll get a draw but I think we know how to make life tough for big teams um so yeah I, i've always got confidence it would be a real feather in the cap if we could get some sort of result at city and look we only have to look up to our neighbors last year brentford who who did the double i mean the second game i'm not really giving them any credit for, <laughs> but but the, but the game at the etihad was genuinely excellent by them and there is a bit of a blueprint to beat man city and I mean, I'm interested to know your thoughts on this, David. But I think if there's a time to go to the Etihad, it's now.
2: I'd I'd certainly rather do it early in the season than the running. Um, yeah, because City obviously they get into a spell towards the end of the season. If they're if they're in the title race, then they it really takes a lot for them to drop points. So uh, yeah, I uh, I agree with you there. Um, I mean, the the other aspects of of facing this City side is. Um, I mean, Arsenal don't play in a in a manner that is that dissimilar. And um, you you went to the Emirates and you really caused them uh, a lot of problems. Is that? Do you see Marco Silva setting up in a very similar way?
4: I do. Yeah, I, I, I'd be amazed if we weren't going for um, a, a blueprint, really, that, and and trying to replicate that what we did on Saturday. I mean, there were moments in in Saturday's game that might be hard to recreate can we get I mean if you can give us a goal after 57 seconds that would be really <laughs> nice but I guess you can't count on that happening every time and it and, and a lot of the match was just Fulham holding on really and 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 that is one thing I do have good confidence in Fulham to hold on to if we, if we did somehow take a shock lead I do have faith that Fulham now know how to kind of like weather storms and and batten down the hatches we are quite good at that so I think if Fulham do go one nil up I think that it'll be a tough afternoon at the Etihad. It's not one of those teams where the opposition scores first. And you're like, ah, it's all right. We'll score three in a second. I think Fulham do know how to hold on, waste time, all the usual antics. Um, but also I think like what was fascinating about Saturday was we went 2-1 down, down to 10 men and Fulham still were able to be plucky and find a way. We're very resilient. Um, and so, you yeah, I, I think this is one of those games where we play every top team and every top team that we've played, particularly last season. I mean, there's a couple of notable examples where we did get a big beating, but it was it was pretty few and far between. Every top team played us and more often than not, we actually didn't win or even get a point. But a lot of teams were like, that was tough. tough. That yeah. was a tough one today. And so I think Fulham have learned how to be tough. And I think that doesn't necessarily rely on Mitrovic, actually, that that toughness and that steal. Um A lot of it relies on Polina. And I guess one other little narrative that uh, is one to keep an eye on is that the interest from Bayern is really strong. And, I mean, if he goes, I think my whole conversation changes because we are a team built around him. He is the absolute core of this team. And he will leave us one day. It just can't be. It can't be tomorrow. If if it is, I, I honestly think that we are in a relegation battle because he was the difference on Saturday. And if you were looking at that game on Saturday and looking for the 100 million pound midfielder, it would probably you'd have thought it was Jaupelinho if you didn't know any better. Yeah. Um, so he, he is massive and he will, we always have a chance. I feel like when, when he's on the pitch.
2: Yeah. Well, Sammy, um, it's money where you mouth this time because we've got the charity back coming up. So um, let's have a score prediction from you. What uh, what will you
4: go for? You know what? Uh, if we're looking for a sensible prediction, why don't we stick with the exact same scoreline uh, that happened in both games last year, which is a, a 2-1 win uh, for, for City? I think also I would be fine-ish if that happened um, maybe if it was in slightly less heartbreaking circumstances than <laughs> last year um, but it would mean that Fulham are put in a good performance, we scored a goal at the Etihad but ultimately we've ended up with the results that 99% of other teams will face when they go to the Etihad so uh, as, as it's for charity let's remain realistic and I'll, uh, I'll go for 2-1 City
1: If you enjoy the show, please give it a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts.
2: That was Sammy James from Fulhamish. Um, uh, Kieran, this is a this is an interesting one because uh, ultimately the team can't really change that much because you know players have not been fit and there's there's not really that many players to, to pick from at the moment. Um, assume, assuming that Foden is no longer dashing to the bathroom every every few minutes, uh, <laughs> I assume he'll be back in. Uh, but who for? Alvarez is probably the obvious
0: answer there really isn't it, it's nice to have Mm -hmm. Bernardo back Um, and I think that will be mixed around a little bit Uh, Alvarez I think is in danger of becoming the sort of whipping boy scapegoat at the moment um, because he's not really contributing all that much I mean I know he scored that brilliant goal against Newcastle uh, last weekend but he he's a much better natural number nine, I think, and I also think he's he's better off the bench. So this kind of shoehorning him into a number ten role. Um, whilst effective sometimes, and I mean he won the penalty on Sunday as well, um, and he's a brilliant, brilliant talent. He's a great player, but at the moment I just don't think he's completely comfortable in that role. Um, and him and Haaland seem to be cancelling each other out a little bit. Um so it would be nice for Foden to take back the um take back the middle of the park again really like he did at Newcastle at home. Yeah. Um maybe Bernardo on the right, Grealish on the left. And
2: the rest mm-hmm. kinda of picks itself. And yeah. the rest kinda of picks itself, yeah. Yeah. Um, Adam, do you, do you sense any, any chance of, uh, of seeing anything of uh, of Doku this weekend? Um, I, like, I would be astounded if it was from the start, um, but uh, even from the bench, because ultimately Guardiola's been in Spain, so perhaps he hasn't really seen anything of him yet.
3: Yeah, I think we'll see some semblance of him in the second half. Definitely won't be starting. I think that's too soon to even know how Guardiola wants him to play. I do think we'll we'll get some minutes into him.
2: Does it need to be 3-0 with like 10 minutes to yeah, go for yeah, him to come on?
3: Yeah, I don't... Oh, this This is going to come back to haunt me. But yeah, I don't think it's 0-0 nil, nil, uh, on 75 minutes and he comes on and makes the difference. That would be a lovely fairy tale for him. But I think if it's a comfortable home... Performance, a stereotypical home performance after seventy minutes. It might be going and get your uh, first taste of Premier League football under no pressure. That'd be a nice way to introduce yourself to the fans and introduce yourself to the Premier League. So that'd be a fairy tale uh, start. But I can't. There's no way he'll be he'll be starting it, and I don't expect an easy an easy game for him to be able to be introduced to either. So there'll be some. There'll be some semblance of him in the second half, but under what circumstances? I, I wouldn't like to guess. But yeah, I I, I love the, the sooner you can see a new signing, the better. It's always a new shiny toy, isn't it? So uh, you, you want to see them unveiled as soon as possible. I would have liked to see him at Sheffield United, but absolutely, there's no way. It was you know a few days after signing, that was definitely not the environment to bring him into. So yeah. yeah, you probably do need the carpet rolled out for you. A nice home game, 3-0 up. Yeah. That's probably yeah. the best scenario.
2: That being said, Adam, uh, two very difficult games against Fulham last season. Tight. Yes. You know, City had to work hard. Okay, one of them was because of a red card, but they still had to work yeah. hard. Um, are you expecting the same sort of thing?
3: A hundred percent. I was gonna say that uh, before you raised that point. The um both games last season, there was periods where they were the better side in both games, certainly a period at Craven Cottage where they were well on top and probably should have got more out of the game, but we had one goal from Alvarez. Um, yeah, the, we. <laughs> Super Alvarez. No, um, I th- I'm, I'm expecting much of the same. They're a good football inside. It's not little old Fulham anymore in terms of the whipping boys that came up and went down pretty quickly uh, through the mid well, mid to late tens. Is that what you say nowadays? I don't know. I don't know. I don't uh, know how, you, de- I don't yeah, know how you, you name that decade. Tens. Yeah. yeah, tens. Yeah, but I knew. I'm, I love that you knew which decade i meant, so, <laughs> so we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah, they're not whipping boys that I I would say anymore. They've, they've got a good manager who knows how he wants to play football. They like playing decent football. They're going to try and counter-attack us. Uh, I think they're capable of that. I think their goal last season at the Etihad was. A bit of a hit uh, counter attack, and also in the cup we played them and they hit us on the break and opened the scoring dead early. So I'm ex- they they know how to hurt us. Let's put it that way. We're we're going to need to be on our A game to get something from it. Well, you know, to to get a, a comfortable foothold in the game. Uh, they're not going to make it easy. So it, yeah, it's not going to be a whipping boys performance. I don't think, but we should have enough.
2: Yeah. Kieran, we just heard Sammy there say that uh, he expects their game plan will be sit back and counter hard on the transition. Um, and the other the other name that kind of uh, screams, oh God, don't let this guy counter against City, is Adama Traore, who uh, is now a fallen player. Um, are you worried about him? Well, I was today years old when I found out that he played for Fulham, <laughs> uh,
5: so
0: I, I hadn't been worried until I heard uh, Sammy's preview. Um, and if you're if you're ever worried about a counter-attacking team, and a lot of the teams we play these days are, um, you're going to get haunting flashbacks to Triore for Wolves. Uh, so, so yeah, it's not not ideal. I always worried about Mitrovic and he's now left Fulham, hasn't he? Um, so it's good that there's some anxiety in the, in the, uh, formidable <laughs> shape of, uh, Adama Traore. Yeah. Um, but hopefully we've got enough, we've got enough in the, in the tank, um, our defensive shape and our defensive personnel, um, how we control games, how we limit counterattacks, um, and everything that we've been working on and setting up towards over the past couple of seasons uh, should hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, eliminate and eradicate any threat.
2: Yeah. And this, I mean, this also comes back to what we were talking about at the start of the show, Karen, that. Um you know, Sheffield United had a, a low block and they wanted to hit City on the break, on the break. Fulham will have a low block and they'll want to hit City on the break. So from a City fan point of view going into this one, don't expect it to be a fast-paced game. Expect City to be trying to control it, do you reckon? That's it, yeah. I mean, it, the weird
0: paradox with City these days is... The best, most entertaining games are against elite teams who want to play, and that's you could uh, you could expect goals more against your Bayern Munichs or your uh, Real Madrids of this world, um, than you might do against Fulham F- F- at home. You know, it's a it's a six, uh, six nil, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Alan double hat trick, um, yeah, but I mean. You never know how these things are going to go, and Fulham could have a massive off day. But as Sammy alluded to in his in his preview as well, um, he says they can kind of go toe to toe with City a lot more these days. And um, he doesn't. And Adam touched upon it too. Like they're not whipping boys. Um, and this has now moved up to seven 0 of course, on Saturday. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think Marco Silva's done a good job at them. They've got a decent squad. They don't seem to be relegation fodder as such to give Arsenal a really good game on Saturday just gone. Um, so I expect City to win, but um, but I expect Fulham to to put up a good fight, and there will be some hairy moments uh, of of counter attacking pressure, I
2: assume. Yeah, I just had a, I had an image then to, to like the three of us on like a, a kids' TV show in like the set of Blue Peter, where we're we're constantly moving the totalizer up the number of goals, the more the more pessimistic <laughs> we get about the game, the yeah. higher up this totaliser goes of, of the goals <laughs> yeah. that City have scored.
1: Um,
2: Adam, there's a there's a long way to go yet, uh, obviously, but um, given that City are the only team with a hundred percent record now in the league, it's mm. a it's a really good opportunity to assert some dominance ahead of the international break, isn't it?
3: yeah i think it's psychological even at this early stage now what we've seen in title races since guardiola came really is that the bar is so high that you can't even dropping points early in the season could be detrimental at the end because you're going to need to be getting 85 86 87 90 plus points at the end of the season so to even have that two-point gap now is huge that that's a ridiculous statement because that's stupid that this early on you can have that much dominance, but we know, and we've seen time and time again, how fine the margins are at any point of the season, you know? So the fact that we usually end the season in in this type of form, and we're now starting it in this form, I hope it's not going to be a reverse of the others, Um, but that shows just how much the pressure it can get to other teams, you know, Arsenal draw into Fulham at home, you know, it's just the pressure at this stage. You can't understate that a two-point gap could be the big, could be the difference at the end of the season. And that is, I feel stupid saying that because we're four games in. There's yeah. a long way to go. Loads can change. Injuries, suspensions. And it might swing one way, congestion. swing the
1: other
3: way. But this yeah, could be the... Yeah. It, it will do. It, all I'm saying is that... Title cha- charges in recent years have come down. Some of them have come down to points, goal differences, and literally you can't understate how much a better start than your close challenges can be even at this stage which is ridiculous and the sporting competition has gone ridiculous in this country since peps come along luckily (laughs) we've been the beneficiaries of it i'd be fuming if it was the other way around where you're posting your best score tallies ever and it's still not good enough to win a league i totally get how that would be frustrating for everyone else looking in but it's lovely to be to be appearing this dominant because we know as city fans we've not even played that well yet we're nowhere near fifth gear yet and we're two points clear at the top of the league
2: yeah well, uh let's get your uh, your money where your mouth is. Uh, Once again, no winners on the charity (laughs) bet on last week's show. Uh, So we'll try again for this week. Still only one game to predict. William Hill is giving us three £10 correct score singles. The winnings are going to the Man City fans food bank support group. They'll be back outside the Etihad ahead of the game with Fulham on Saturday collecting food and money to help Manchester Central Food Bank. Go and see them with a donation if you can. They'll be under the bridge near Asda between about 12.30 and 2.30. We heard earlier on that Sammy has gone for a 2-1 City win. That's 10 to 1 and 100 pounds
3: if he's right. Adam, what are you having for this one? Um, whilst Kieran is making me want to go for 7-0 after his most <laughs> recent prediction there, I'm going to stick to a more conservative 2-0. 2-0 is
2: 11 to 2 and 55 quid if you're right. Kieran, are you are you are you back in the 7-0? Uh no. Um
0: <laughs> I was going to go 2-0 or 2-1, but they were both taken, so uh 3-1 a
2: happy Haaland Patrick. A happy Harland hat-trick at 3-1 is... Uh, well, I don't know if the hat-trick included. If it just finishes 3-1, it's 10-1 to 1 and uh, £100 if you're right. Uh, remember, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change, and please gamble responsibly. If you'd like more information on responsible gambling, then head on over to begambleaware.org. Um, now, we're going to take uh, some audience questions to finish shortly, but since the last show, we've now seen both the Carabao Cup and the Champions League draw. Um uh, what, what do you make of them both, Adam? Uh, Carabao Cup could have been a bit easier, I guess.
3: Yeah, so bizarrely, any time we get a Carabao Cup draw, because I'm in the Carabao Cup scheme, I always uh, pray for an away tie, so I don't have to pay for that because I'm tight with my money. So I was pleased <laughs> you know, that it's an away You don't have to be draw. in the scheme, you know. I know, but I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a points whore as well. so uh, oh, there we I go. see. <laughs> but I don't want to pay for it. So, oh, I see. yeah, I want the easiest draw away from home in any cup competition so I was looking at Sutton away Salford away those type of tiny grounds just I love seeing City when we played like Newport a couple of years ago I just love that kind of dynamic so I always pray for those type of draws so Newcastle away was probably one of the least preferred uh, draws that we could have got. It's going to be tough. They Hopefully they'll be distracted by their need to want to keep people fresh for the Champions League exploit. So hopefully they'll have a weakened team because we know we'll rotate in that competition. Uh, even though Pep does like to win all competitions, I think because the amount of competitions we're playing this season, we might see a much reduced game. And if Calvin Phillips is still here, he might even play in that game. So that's the kind of... Team, I'm imagining, but I would have chosen much, m- plenty more uh, opponents rather than Newcastle. It's going to be a tough one.
0: Have you seen that thing about the uh, alphabetical order in the draw that Newcastle fans are complaining about? No, what's this? No. Um, so the whole of the balls in the uh, in the draw were in alphabetical order until it got to Norwich, because Norwich were 19 and Newcastle were 20, whereas Newcastle should have came before Norwich. So Newcastle fans are really up in arms if they've drawn City because they reckon it was an admin error that led to the alphabetical order being disrupted. So we probably should have got Norwich um, to all intents and purposes, but the Newcastle fans are really, really up in arms, especially after seeing their Champions League draw. They just can't get a break at all.
2: Yeah, I was going to, I was going to talk it's about smart. the Champions League draw, Kieran, because um, obviously the City's looks quite favourable. Nor, um, Norwich's. Norwich aren't in the Champions League yet. <laughs> Maybe they would have been if they, if they got the balls right <laughs> if in they, the draw. They got the, yeah? If they better <laughs> ball, yeah. Yeah. Um, Newcastle's Champions League draw looks pretty tricky. So, um, I mean, you must be quite happy with City's. Uh, RB Leipzig from pot two, Red Star Belgrade from pot three, uh, Young Boys uh, in pot four. Uh, so obviously City going back to Switzerland. In Switzerland what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Very good. Uh yeah, chuffed. Um I know the away fans will be will be made up to be going to two new destinations. Um mm. in Serbia and in Switzerland. In uh, Switzerland what? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean i I don't know an awful lot about rest or belgrade or young boys as teams and i think young boys did over united a few years ago did they yeah um so i mean i i think their team name is a bit mad i've always kind of like (laughs) sort of written them off as a bit of like Junior reserve team,
2: just because they're called young boys. Uh, what, what's their what's their youth team called?
5: Exactly, yeah,
2: the
0: young young boys, um, toddler yeah. boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, it, sh- it shows the level of football knowledge I have that you know all I can comment on is the is their funny little <laughs> the name, name, you know, and uh, the but, country. Don't forget that. Yeah, absolutely. Were.
3: In Switzerland what? <laughs> yeah. I need that as my new ringtone. For time me, send me that file.
0: We'll try to get it in context so I don't look like a complete idiot. Like. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Leipzig seemed to be the new Shakhtar in terms of a team that's just attached themselves to yeah. us and won't let us go. We're being man-marked. By uh all across european competitions yes like a leech (laughs) Uh, rb leech i call them (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah Uh i mean uh, we should hopefully quite comfortably get through that group i I think um an awful lot of other there, there seem to be quite a few tricky groups um from some of the british teams and yeah city just with the nature of things these days seem to be getting um fairly you would like to hope so that we'd just sail through that group and um concentrate on the league fixtures that always seem to crop up fast and furious during um during the kind of autumn months um so yeah things are going to get a little bit more challenging in uh october november looking at the fixtures so
2: uh, it's quite nice to have e- easier, uh, easier group games. Yeah, no, uh, no Real Madrid trip around a, a game against Liverpool or anything like that. It's, uh, yeah. it's quite handy, isn't it? Yeah, for April time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's finish uh, with uh, an audience question. Get in touch for next week on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. You can email us through the website as well, bluemoonpodcast.com, fill out the form there. Uh, Pete Thomas has done exactly that. Uh, he says, if the transfer deadline passes and City's business remains as it is, why do so many people seem to think it's been a bad window? Sure, we've lost Gundogan, Mares, and Laporte, but we've brought in Kovacic, Doku and Gvardiol in those positions, with two of them looking like they've settled right in immediately. On top of that, we've kept hold of Walker and Silva too. Do we really need to do more business before the window closes? Um, now that question came in before the news that Cole Palmer is uh, moving to Chelsea and um, that Matthias Nunes uh, is arriving from Wolves. Uh, so adding those into the bargain, um, Adam are you happy with the window if it finishes like
1: that?
3: Yeah, I mean it's been a weird window for City in that the targets we've got are not what I would class to be fitting the city profile of recent windows. So I've actually been intrigued by this window rather than marking it as good or bad. It's certainly been a different strategy of a window. We've got personnel in for the personnel that's gone out, but it's not necessarily a like for like appointment. But I think... We're going to see, we seem to be targeting more ball carriers. So I think we're going to have a different type of the way we play through this season. I think we're going to be, um, you know, being carried further up the pitch in, in quicker transitions rather than building up by a thousand passes, which will be interesting because we've never really played like that. So, he, you know, Kovacic can do it if we get Nunes. He can by all accounts, uh, carry you through and break the lines rather than passing, actually dribbling through. So it's been an intriguing window rather than scoring as good or bad. I think because the profile of the players we've lost and we obviously know what walks out of the door with them in terms of the creativity from Mahrez and the goal threat from Gundawan and the just ball control or game control of Gundogan, those things walking out the door. But it's been, a, it's, I wouldn't, and all of our targets have not even thought we were worse true city targets. So it's been an intriguing one, but I'm more than happy with it in terms of the personnel that have come in seem to be coming in. So yeah, I think the bad window uh tag was early on in the window and it looked like we were missing out on people like pakita and rice and when when you, you you almost and because everyone lives on social media nowadays these bids that keep getting knocked back and rejected it's almost like a knock to your almost enjoyment of the transfer window where we usually just usually roll the checkbook out and get everyone we want so i think that's where the perceived bad window comes from because we've walked away from some of our targets whereas I think we've actually done quite well and quite shrewd, and I think it's going to change the way we play this season. So it's interesting.
2: Yeah, and Guardiola took a a bit of time to get over the line as well, but you know it it was one of those where people were getting frustrated with it, I guess as well. Um, Yeah, I
3: think I think it's been more of a saga rather than a a disappointing window, definitely.
2: Yeah, Um, Kieran, uh, I mentioned Cole Palmer there. Um, How are you feeling about that one? I've I've seen a few people quite upset that uh, that he's moving on. A few people think it, you know, you can't turn down that offer for the money. Where do you stand? Um, some were right on the fence in the middle, I think it Excellent. Uh, Lovely. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, Switzerland, some might say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some were very neutral, of course. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm sad, always sad to see an academy player leave, especially somebody who had such potential as Cole Palmer seemed to. Um, but something about him didn't seem to work with Pep completely. Um, he didn't have. I don't know the, the incredible sort of once in a generation talent that Fulton has. Um, what Rico Lewis seems to offer is unique and um, really useful to City setup. And Palmer's kind of, even though we're, we're sort of light on the wings and on the right, uh, especially after losing Mares, something about Palmer's, I don't know, quality or. I don't know, attitude maybe or uh willingness just didn't seem to work. Um I'm really sad that he's gone. But at the same time I think City would have been absolutely just really, really foolish to not accept that offer. Chelsea are spending silly money. Uh and it's like you know, when ATMs are randomly spitting out cash and everybody's surrounded. <laughs> uh why would we not want to get involved in this in this like <laughs> Glitzy kind of uh, transfer window of Chelsea's <laughs> if they're if they're willing to pay the money like um, we should mm. we should jump at it I suppose um, but yeah I mean the most City thing in history is going to happen and he's going to score against City in the Prem and that would be the Prem soon come that he once <laughs> fore foretold uh, is going to come against <laughs> City I can just feel it in my water um, but yeah no. Uh, De- definitely right to take the money, but sad to see a player like that go because he had potential and I like the look of him. But what can you do?
2: Yeah, Adam, are you feeling the same way?
3: Yeah, I've not known a transfer caused this much kind of division amongst the fan base. I was looking at his stats before he's been around the first team for four seasons and not really taken the plunge, I guess, or taken the step forward. Do probably the minor frustration. I mean, the money was right, so we had to take it. Absolutely no brainer, but this seemed about the first time that he, he's had a great summer. He's played in two finals for us already, uh, Community Shield and Super Cup and did well. Scored, Scored in, both. in both. Yeah, this, yeah, this almost looks, seems to be that ta- the, the time that he is t- taking that step forward and that's when the big money moves come in for him. Whereas when you look at his stats, he has been around the first team for four years and not really looked like he was going to break through. And then sods law the time, it does look like he might be breaking through. But... Another argument for that as well is we were, we were one all against Sheffield United at the weekend. It, there was no chance he was coming on from the bench. We were dead on our feet for seventy minutes against Newcastle, and Pep didn't make any changes after looking at the bench. So if you're not bringing him in, then when do you bring him in? Yeah. So I think it was the right decision all round.
2: Yeah, and you know for yourself, he'll forever be the player that scored uh, the most goals for the for the club without having scored a league goal.
3: Yes. I love that start. I just hope his first goal isn't as Kieran predicted.
2: Yeah. Um, And I got it right this week as well. There we go. Um, That's the end of this week's Blue Moon Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, And thanks also to my guests for this one, Kieran Murray. Thank you, David. And Adam Carter.
3: Always a pleasure.
2: Uh, There's a clip of this week's Patreon show coming up, uh, which Kieran was on talking about penalties, weren't you? That was good fun.
0: Oh, it was great crack, yeah. Although it's probably very out of date now because we've had penalties... um, and the charity shield in the super cup <laughs> and Holland's missed one at the weekend uh, so <laughs> when, when we recorded it was before all of that penalty drama um so yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna caveat uh some of my comments with
2: that yeah and we took three weeks of the season for something we recorded in the summer to go out of date but there we go you just never want to talk about City and penalties like <laughs> we, we should be banned from them and that, that would just be it, it we'd solve everything yeah a is awarded and what happens instead the referee just gives a goal kick because it's probably going yeah. wide yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so go and have a listen to that you can check it out at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast we'll be back next week see you then
1: That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show a rating and a review where you can. And don't forget, you can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's.
5: He missed two in one game, didn't he, against mm. um, Stoja Bucharest? And still got a trick that day. Quiet night at the library for Sergio there. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I mean, if you score at about 80%, which he did, which is kind of a little bit above the average of what happens with penalties overall... That's fair enough, and and obviously he took a lot. I think everyone above him on the list that I've got, going on feel, the five above, you think, yeah, goal. Whereas with Aguero, you never quite thought that.
2: And especially, Kieran, when he steps up behind closed doors against Chelsea uh, to make (laughs) the game 2-0. Probably don't just think it down the middle.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean...
2: (laughs) It's not often a penalty miss gets a statement afterwards, but that one did. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, It was a funny one, that, because so many people were absolutely up in arms. And, like, we could have won the league that day. It could have been wrapped up. But we were, like, always going to win the league that season. It was... You know, it was basically sign, seal, deliver. We didn't need to particularly win that. Then that's why they yeah, haven't you, named such a mad team. You know what? Yeah, fuck it, dink it down the middle, do we yeah, open it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, people were on Twitter saying stuff like, "Oh, he's going to ruin his legacy because of that." His legacy, Aguero. Like,
1: <laughs> you can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast, and join us again next time for another episode.